0: This week, a statewide crackdown on drunken drivers is in full swing. Holiday mailing tips and a recap of a special Golden Gopher football season. But first, vaping and the state budget made news at the Minnesota Capitol this week, and MN's Bill Werner joins us with the recap.
1: Scott, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison announced this week the state is suing a major manufacturer of e-cigarettes. We're using the power of the Minnesota Attorney General's office to bring a lawsuit against Juul Labs on behalf of the state and the people of Minnesota. That lawsuit alleges that Juul targeted youth, ignored that underage Minnesotans were buying its products, and said its e-cigs are safe, when actually they're more addictive than conventional
2: cigarettes. Governor Tim Walz. My message to Juul as they're listening today is, you can hire your attorneys, you will have your day in court, but we will bring the righteous justice of the state of Minnesota down on Juul.
1: In a written response, Juul said its customer base is the world's 1 billion adult smokers and, quote, we do not intend to attract underage users. The company says it recently stopped accepting U.S. orders for mint Juul pods, suspended all broadcast, print, and digital advertising in the U.S., and is expanding its commitment to develop new technology to reduce youth use. The state is asking the court to award monetary damages for what it claims is great harm and injury Jewell has caused. Attorney General Keith Ellison was asked how much money. We are assessing the extent of the damage. It is extensive. But that's part of our discovery process. We don't have a magic dollar figure in at the beginning of the lawsuit. And could that dollar amount approach that of the tobacco lawsuit? I would not refute that. Minnesota received about $7 billion after the tobacco lawsuit was settled in the late 1990s. Students stood up at the Capitol in support of the lawsuit. Claire Herring, a junior at Hopkins High School.
3: Around freshman year, I started vaping, and I had no clue what was inside of it. I had no clue what I was inhaling, pretty much. When I initially had hit my first vape, I was just told that, like, it was nothing. It was better than a cigarette. Like, it's better than other drugs. Like, that's what I'll, always what I heard, is, like, it's better than other drugs. It's better than other drugs. And I was just always told that it's an easy alternative and something easy to just give you a buzz and a chill. And that wasn't the case for me. Um, I used for total of probably two years on and off, and I was unable to quit. It was very hard for me. I I mean, I did quit. <laughs> I currently am, I don't use anymore, hey. which is, yeah. yeah. But I would say like for me when I was trying to quit, it was the hardest thing was I had to like tell my parents because there was no, there's no help for me. Like if I wanted to quit, To quit, you just have to go cold turkey when you're a kid. Like, you can't use Nicorac gum, you can't use patches, like, because you can't buy them. You have to be 18. So it's just this, it was this whole battle for me for how to figure out how to get myself help without getting myself in trouble.
1: Herring also brought up the issue of enforcement of existing Minnesota laws.
3: If I'm not allowed to go buy my food from a grocery store, like, how are you allowing me to, like go into a store and buy a vape. Like, I myself was able to walk into a store and buy myself my own vape. I do look a little bit older than maybe 16, but that doesn't mean I'm not questionable. Like, I'm definitely, like, if I walked in with my volleyball gear on after high school at the shop right next to my high school, it's a little weird that they didn't question.
1: We asked Attorney General Ellison, will Jewel be able to argue in court that Minnesota has an enforcement problem? No, they have a deception problem. That's the problem. Of course, as the governor very ably said, they're going to try to point blame in every single direction they can think of, but the responsibility is on their shoulders and we're going to prove it. Attorney General Keith Ellison, the latest economic forecast came out this week and shows Minnesota with another budget surplus, $1.3 billion this time, and that has reignited a long-standing debate between Republicans and Democrats about tax cuts versus more spending. Governor Tim Walz contends it's time for the state to invest more money in schools.
2: Minnesotans spoke very clearly this past November Uh, across the state in bond referendums, uh, almost to the point of 90%. When Minnesotans were asked to go and cast a vote to raise their property taxes to invest in their children, they overwhelmingly said yes. I've made the case that that becomes harder to do, especially for greater Minnesota schools, and that we should think about How does that funding formula, how do we go and take a deep dive and a look at that?
1: But Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says now that the budget surplus has topped off the state's rainy day budget reserve.
4: The final thing is it's time to give the rest back. The taxpayers that give us that money want us to do good government, make sure that we're spending wisely, want us to make sure that we have a reserve account in case something goes wrong. But eventually there's money that if you have an excess, you should think about giving that back.
1: Gazelka says the legislature should consider totally eliminating state
4: income tax on Social Security benefits. Minnesota is one of 13 states that taxes Social Security income. One of only 13. The rest don't. And so the last two budget cycles, we've uh, exempted some of that. But why not take all of that and be done with that? That would be a real win for Minnesota. As far as one-time money, one of the things that I think we ought to think about is how about a tab fee holiday or a tab rebate or you know reduction in tab fees? If you think about what happened with Minlars over the next last number of years, think about how, to, how do we reward some of those folks that really uh, were frustrated with uh, how things happened there.
1: Well, Scott, between tax cuts versus more spending and Democrats wanting a big bonding bill while Republicans say not that big. The battle lines are pretty much drawn in the usual places,
0: just over two months before lawmakers come back to St. Paul. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
5: Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound-chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring a white-gray-brown-black brindle. Simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and well licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Sachma is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States,
0: and the Ad Council. <laughs> Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Extra law enforcement is on the state's roads looking for impaired drivers between now and the end of the year. Over the last five years, 125,000 people were arrested for DWI in Minnesota, and almost 13,000 of those happened between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. I recently spoke with Mike Hansen at the Department of Public Safety about the aim of this year's campaign.
6: Well, the the goal is really to keep Minnesota's roads safe for everyone. And, you know, the holidays, they bring a lot of celebration, a lot of travel, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of holiday gatherings and things like that. And really what the goal is to raise awareness that impaired driving is still a serious threat on Minnesota roads. And nobody wants to be involved in a preventable Tragedy over the any time, but especially over the holidays. It's particularly uh, tragic when that happens. And so, the purpose of the enforcement campaign is a to raise the profile and the awareness of the impaired driving problem that is still out there, and then also to be proactive and to protect Minnesotans as they're traveling during this holiday season, so that everybody can get from where they're going uh, to or from where they're coming from to where they're going safely.
0: I know that this is something that we keep close track of, and I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit of what are the trends in Minnesota with, this, with regard to this particular time of year? Are we moving in the right direction for uh, cutting down on DWI arrests on the roads?
6: You know, that, that is the good news, Scott. If we look at the long-term trends, we are making progress in the right direction when it comes to impaired driving around the holiday season. Actually, the, the, the Thanksgiving to Christmas holiday season ranks last in all of the holidays throughout the year as far as the incidents of dwi's or impaired driving offenses taking place i think during the holiday season that averages about two point five uh, per hour where you know during some of the other more uh, uh, uh... prevalent holidays such as uh... new year's you know we get about three point three per hour halloween surprisingly is still the most dangerous time n- night of the year to be out we average four DWI arrests per hour during that, uh, that particular holiday. So, uh, But yet during the holiday season, right now we are making progress. But with that being said, we still are finding far too many people who are not making that good decision and are getting behind the wheel when they shouldn't, either because of alcohol or some other substance uh, that they've uh, taken that is impairing their ability to safely drive.
0: And, you know, with options like Uber and Lyft, I'm curious, how much of a contributing factor do you think that is to the fact that that people have more options for finding a sober ride? Does that that help in some way?
6: Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, the fact that uh, those ride-sharing services have become, you know, very much a part of our culture now, um, and certainly they are very prevalent in most of our major urban areas across the state, but even in greater Minnesota, uh, there are a number of activities that take place uh, in our safe communities coalitions that we call it joyride, where uh, the, the actual uh, establishments and the communities come together to provide safe rides home. So even if you don't have Uber or Lyft, get involved in your community and help set up one of these safe ride events so that every Everybody can go out, they can socialize, they can have fun, but they don't have to worry about that drive home.
0: And of course, in addition to the ramifications for uh, potentially putting your own life or the lives of others in danger, there's also uh, legitimate legal penalties for for driving under the influence if you get caught doing that. Uh, Certainly letting people know about that could be a deterrent as well. If you could, uh, just tell me a little bit about what some of the penalties are if you do get caught driving under the influence.
6: You make a great point there, Scott. Uh, uh, An impaired driving arrest is a serious crime. Um, it is a crime against uh, a person and uh, the consequences are significant and they run the gamut from everything from a misdemeanor level of offense to a felony level of offense you know a misdemeanor for somebody who's arrested for the first time with a relatively low alcohol concentration but uh, even at that misdemeanor level you know you can plan on spending some time in jail whether it's the, the day of the arrest or down the road um, but in addition to that you know the financial hit that are going to take, it starts at $10,000 when you factor everything in there from getting your car out of impound to any attorney's fees to court costs, driver's license reinstatement fees, and then the uh, the high-risk insurance that you're going to be forced to buy for uh, up to five years, depending on the offense and the uh, insurance company. So uh, it is something that will dog people for a long time, and uh, it, it is something that people need to take seriously. And understand that there are significant consequences for a bad decision at a period in time.
0: Uh, great information as always Mike. I'll give you one last opportunity if you have a message out there for Minnesota drivers this holiday season. What is that message?
6: Plan ahead and speak up. If you are going to go out and you are going to socialize and, and uh, some type of impairing substances involved, plan ahead. Stick to that plan. If you see somebody who is about to make that bad decision, do something it's all of us to work together to make sure that we all it takes all of us working together to get home everybody home safely and so if we speak up if we're involved in our communities and we care about our friends and our neighbors um, we can all do that and we won't have any officers delivering death messages uh, during Christmas dinner this year I've done that and it is a it, it's a horrible thing and no family wants to experience that the other part of this is seat belts. that is your best defense if somebody else makes a bad decision and so everybody needs to buckle up we need to pay attention to our speeds and drive according to the road conditions never drive impaired and always give that driving task our full attention and make sure that we're
0: not distracted thank you to my guest mike hansen with the department of public safety minnesota matters returns after this Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The holiday mailing rush is on. MN's Tasha Radel has these tips.
7: That's right, Scott. It's the busiest time of year for postal carriers across the state. Joining me now is Christy Anderson, Minnesota Spokeswoman for the United States Postal Service. Christy, I'm guessing people are mailing Christmas cards and packages out like crazy.
8: Absolutely. So, of course, you know, from Thanksgiving to New Year's is our busiest time, and we are projected to... Deliver 13 billion items total um, nationwide, and 800 million of that is packages alone. So if they are shipping out packages, um, gifts that they want to get to loved ones on time, um, we do have some suggested mail-by dates. Um, for our military, if you're sending anything to an APO, FPO, or DPO, um, December 11th is our cutoff for priority mail in first class, and December 18th is our absolute deadline for the priority mail express. And then the regular domestic um, cutoff dates, you can send UPS retail ground, which is kind of like the standard. Um, That's December 14th. And then you can send first class mail until December 20th, priority mail until December 21st, and then priority mail express, which is the overnight service on December 23rd.
7: And you know, when it comes to sizing to packages and, and, you know, having the correct postage, do you recommend folks go into their local post office?
8: It's crazy busy and the lines end up being longer, especially the week of December 16th to the 22nd. That's our busiest shipping um, and delivery um, week right there. So we really would recommend that you would have your items packaged and ready to go before you go in there. But of course, if you want to go in ahead of time and kind of size up some of the um, boxes if you're wanting to use the free Priority Mail or Priority Mail Express supplies. You can, of course, go in there and and choose those. Um, Kind of a rule of thumb, especially if there's anything that's fragile or breakable um, by any ways, is make sure you're wrapping it real good um, and putting lots of cushion in there. And you want to give some space around all of it so that it's not hitting up against the box and that you have it in a real secure box because it does go on conveyor belts and then packages into containers with other packages, and you want to make sure that it's well-protected.
7: And that was one of my questions. Was there any common mistakes that people are making? And I'm guessing that might be one of them.
8: It it is. And another thing, too, is we always recommend, um, one, um, make sure you're putting... A, a, a ample amount of tape, I guess, or extra tape on the boxes, especially if it's a heavier item because things, again, do shift during processing and, and you know, during the transport and everything else, and we don't want anyone to lose their items out of their, their packaging. And, you
7: know, another thing that I noticed in my neighborhood is I sometimes think we forget this time of year um, that it's so important to clear away our walkways from snow and ice because, uh, let's say a letter carrier, you know, doesn't feel safe or can't get to your house. Do they have to deliver that package?
8: You know, safety of our employees is is utmost importance for us. So we do tell all of our carriers and we have daily stand up talks with them before they go out and hit the streets. You know, to be aware of their surroundings and make sure that if they do not feel safe delivering it, regardless of what the reason is, that no, they would just leave a notice or they may bring it back and have to try it again. But especially this time of year and especially in Minnesota, because I know we've just gotten a huge dumping here lately. Um, but we want to make sure that, yeah, the walkways up to their mailbox, if their mailbox is on the house or somewhere along the walkway, even if it's the rural, Type boxes that are on the curb. You want to make sure you clear the snow and ice away from it um, at least six feet on each side. Because if the carrier is servicing it by the vehicle, they have to be able to pull in, deliver, and pull away without backing up or getting out of the vehicle. Um, Now, of course, if there are packages, they will walk up to the door to leave them at the door. And again, you know, make sure you you've also used ice melt if you can, especially if you have steps and a slick porch, anything like that, because slips, trips, and falls are are big for our carriers this time of year, and we don't want to have any of them go out on injury and then that would you know reduce our staff and we'd struggle to get the items that they ordered delivered.
7: Well lots of good information I uh, hear today was there anything else Christy that you wanted to add?
8: You know um, just that we're really excited about it and I know that a lot of concerns about you know what happens happens once the item is delivered um, we do recommend signing up for informed delivery if they have not already it is a free service and you just go to sign up and you'll get a daily email letting you know um, a picture of all your mail that's coming for that day and any packages that are even in the future or in the next few days on there so you can kind of keep an eye on it. Um, also, if you know that you're not going to be home for several hours or, you know, whatever, and if you can try and enlist neighbors or friends or family to grab things for you or you can use your tracking number and go online to USPS.com and put in delivery instructions like to have them put it in a secure place so that it's not visible things like that um it it really really does help and just the only other thing is to keep in mind that we are going to be out earlier than normal um in the early a.m you know 5 a.m around that time as well as late in the evening when it's dark so just be aware that that and in the major cities um on Sundays as well our carriers will still be out so they can leave the light on for us that would help too.
7: Thanks again to my guest, Christy Anderson, Minnesota spokeswoman for the United States Postal Service. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
3: Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting.
5: Your daughter just had her first breakup.
1: Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How
5: could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota football team saw its regular season come to an end last weekend. There was a lot of excitement as the team rose to number eight in the national polls prior to the game against Wisconsin. And still a bowl game to play in January in Florida and a lot of fond memories. MN's JW Cox sat down with the radio voice of the Golden Gophers, Mike Grimm, who's also MN sports director, to look back on a special 2019 college football season. Thanks, Scott. And who better to help us put a bow on this 2019 Gophers regular season than our own sports director and voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm, joining me here. Mike, what are you going to remember most as you look back on this 2019 season?
2: Well, just where the season started. And really, I think it's a statement on the PJ Fleck. Era up to this point. So, where that era started, uh, what he promised people uh, in terms of where this program would go, and then what he delivered with. Uh, And it came in a pretty abrupt time. I mean, it was slow going for a while, and all of a sudden, You're not drawing very well in early October, but you're winning games, and you're winning games. And then the big game came with Penn State. And remember when P.J. Fleck got hired, he talked about rowing the boat, and part of that was the boat's got to be bigger. As you win, as you establish this culture, more and more people want to come. Well, that game sells out. Then the Wisconsin game the last regular season game of the year, ends in bitter disappointment, uh, so much at stake, and you didn't win it. But when you think about what happened, another sellout. It was not invaded by Wisconsin fans. It was a. It an almost all-gopher crowd. College game day, the iconic uh, show that kind of represents the fact that The program is relevant. It never had been on campus before, had never originated in Minneapolis before, and they have one of the great crowds of all time. I think estimates are around 10,000 people that that came and went at some point or another over the course of that three-hour show. Uh, The rating on the show uh, was released this week that it was the highest-rated college game day broadcast of the entire college football season. So when you have all of that, when you factor in college game day was here, you end with two sellouts where secondary ticket price for that Wisconsin game, even with the weather as poor as it was, two or three hundred dollars to get into that game uh, compared to where it was just a month before that, and compared to where it was when PJ Fleck got hired, and people kind of snickered when he said, "We're going to create this thing where game day is going to want to be here, where you need a bigger boat, uh, where we're going to win ten games." And it's you know, at least in this moment in time, who knows, right? What happens from this point forward? But in this moment in time, um, the head coach has delivered on on what he said he would deliver on.
0: But I think this was a special year when it becomes evident that a guy holding extra points maybe was the most special play of the year. Talk about Casey O'Brien's story this year and what that meant to the team.
2: Yeah, and I think the grand story of things. Look, I, I'm old, so I've been around, and I've done a lot of cool things. I've been fortunate in my career. Uh, before uh, Minnesota, I was in St. Louis, and I got to cover you know a World Series. I got to cover a Super Bowl. I think in my entire career of doing stuff, um, my favorite moment has been when Casey O'Brien held that extra point just because of what that represents. And think about that as a broadcaster who's been in the business now. You know, I've been doing games since 1990, so you can do the math on that, whatever that is, almost 30 years. Um, what's your most memorable moment? A hold. I mean, i, I got to be the only guy in sports broadcasting history that that's the case for. Um, it was so remarkable. We knew and have known Casey since he was a teenager um, before he got cancer because his dad was part of the uh, Tim Brewster and the Jerry Kill staff here. Um, he was part of the Tracy Clay staff here. He was an assistant athletic director. And so Casey was running around as a ball boy. He would uh, hold the chains in practice. Um, so he had been around. And then we could watch him uh, on the sidelines, and he was a great athlete, scratch golf. could throw the ball around. So as a freshman, he's playing on the freshman team at Creighton and um, starting as the quarterback. And even at that point, people are like, he's going to play college football probably somewhere, maybe D3, maybe D1. Who knows? However, this progresses, but he's got good skill. Well, he had a knee issue and he couldn't figure out why he had the knee pain. Well, because he had a tumor in the knee, and they had to get knee replacement surgery. And with that new knee, he couldn't play football. And people, I'm sure, are familiar with the story. So he gets cancer twice in high school. He gets cancer twice at Minnesota. He's literally having a port put in where he's having blood uh, chemicals pumped into his blood to kill the cancer in the morning and heading from the hospital to practice that afternoon. And so through all of that, uh, 300 nights in the hospital, never missed a practice. I I asked him after he held... And he figured him and his dad figured it up. They figured that in the two and a half years he's been on the team before he got in a game, he practiced the hold fifteen thousand times like think about that fifteen thousand times he's practiced that not knowing if he'd ever get in. He got in well now um Assuming that, that health continues for him, um, and and you know we all can pray and hope, and and um, he's beaten it four times. He did have surgery here this month with a little spot on the lung. They got it all. They don't know for sure yet. They're waiting on biopsy results uh, on that. But assuming everything goes well, he legitimately in his mind believes he can win the job next year as the every down or every play holder uh, because the current holder is graduating. So you know I have not I, all out broken down on the air before it was it was hard to hold it together there for a minute um, and then in interviewing him afterwards it was hard to um hard because it just they've been through so much and anyone who has kids, even if you don't have kids, to, to, to feel that story, to see that story unfold and to know the bond that that's created, that's probably the most special part of this very special team and Casey um, has played now in five plays. He, he held three times at Rutgers, twice against Maryland, so he's played in five plays of how many in a season are there, you know, a, a, a thousand plays um, and he maybe has had the most impact on this team in terms of how he has been a leader and held it together.
0: Thanks to my guest, our own sports director, Mike Grimm. Scott, back to you. The Gophers finished the regular season with a 10-2 record, and by the end of this weekend, we'll know which bowl game they'll be invited to play in. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.